Woohoo! Yeah! Who's old enough to remember that song? There's not too many hands. The who? Who are you? You know, that's a really important question. Who are you? You know, in the first service this morning, we baptised little Michael Thompson, a little infant. It's going to be a really important question as he grows up to understand who he is. It can be a really challenging question. Have you ever had someone say to you in person, who are you? It happened to me some years ago in about 1997. And I and a couple of other pastors uh, in the northern suburbs of Adelaide had called together as many pastors as we could to talk about starting a pastor's network where pastors could gather and build relationships. And as I got up to talk about this vision, one of the oldest pastors there who'd been around a long time said, who are you? And immediately, without me having to think about it, thoughts started going through my mind, reminding me I'm the youngest one there. I'd only been there less than a year I was the least experienced. Who am I to be standing up talking to these pastors? And I was, my reaction was to want to backpedal and pass it off to someone else. But before I could, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear and said, I called you to this. You are mine. Stand your ground. And so I did. And I talked about the vision. And for 13, 14 years, I and a couple of other pastors gave leadership to that pastor's network and it still continues today under the leadership of others. Who are you? One of the most important questions that you need as a person to come to grips with because your understanding of yourself impacts how you live, how you relate to others, how you see yourself even how you relate to God. And also it impacts what you believe is possible for you in your life as you look ahead. Who are you? Now behind that question is another question. Who or what defines who you are? If you think about it, it's a pretty complex scenario. There are lots of things that impinge on us that begin to shape our sense of self, our ethnicity, our social status, our marriage status, our age, our success or failure in life and at various endeavours, what other people think about us, what we think about ourselves. Now, some of those things are quite obvious to talk about and think about, but there's also some deeper things that shape us things that often shape us unconsciously, like those formative experiences in our life. Often when we're young and growing up. I grew up in a, in a family where, on one hand, because of the experiences I had, I knew I was loved and valued. But I also grew up in a period where mum and dad didn't have a lot of spare cash. Dad had taken over half of the farm from grandpa and grandma. And he had a mortgage to grandpa as he paid them off over many years. He had a mortgage to elders to pay off for the machinery he'd bought and the livestock that he'd bought to get started, which meant we didn't have a lot of spare cash. And my first two push bikes were secondhand recycled bikes. The first one at least came from a guy who would go to the dump and get stuff and repurpose it. Now, I never went without. 
But that's kind of just the way it was for us. And so without mum and dad pushing this on me, teaching me, training me in these things, I took on subconsciously that I didn't deserve new things. I should always settle for second hand and I shouldn't spend money on myself. Now, as I said, that wasn't forced on me, but that became part of my sense of self. And I wasn't challenged till many years later in my 40s when a good friend said, Scott, you're allowed new things. So if I asked you, who are you? Could you give me a coherent answer? And if you did, how many qualifiers were there, would there be in your answer? You know, this topic of our sense of identity and what shapes us is quite a broad topic. It's quite complex. And a lot of the things that can shape our identity are subjective and changeable with time and circumstances. So it gives, begs the question, is there something objective upon which we can measure ourselves and get a true understanding of who we really are? Well, as we move into this season of Advent and as we look forward to Christmas and Jesus' coming when God gave up heaven and came to earth and limited himself as one of us for a season, I want to tell you that the coming of Jesus is an affirmation of God's primary identity that he has already given you. You see, God has given you an identity in your creation as it says in Genesis, so God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You are created in the image of God. There is something in you that shines, carries the glory of God here on earth. That is your primary identity given to you by God in your creation. We're frozen again, Connor. Can you just jump back there? And so when Jesus comes to earth, he is affirming that primary identity that we have. He is saying that you are so valuable to your heavenly father that he is willing to give up his son for you. You are beloved by God. And so it says in John's Gospel, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that you would not perish but have eternal life. And it goes on and says he did not come into the world to judge the world but to save the world through him and give you eternal life if you put your faith in him. Jesus came because God so loves you. You are of immeasurable worth to your heavenly Father. Christmas is an affirmation of your identity, your primary identity. For God loves you and you are created in his image to carry his glory. But we have a problem seeing that. 
We have a problem seeing that whenever people disconnect themselves from God, who is the source of our identity, the one who defines our identity, when we step out of the glory of God's countenance, we begin to live in the shadows and in the dark and we can't see clearly anymore. What in fact is in beautiful technicolour and and great glory we only now see in black and white or grey. You see, our sin separates us from God. And when we're separated from God, we are separated from the reference point that establishes our sense of identity. Now, you add to our own sin that can separate us to God the cumulative impact of sin in the world that is all around us that wounds and binds and blinds us and others. And so our sense of self gets distorted even more. Our self-image can become a counterfeit to our true identity. And when you live with a counterfeit identity, it impacts how you live. It impacts how you relate to others. It impacts how you think about yourself. It impacts how you relate to God. It impacts every aspect of your life. And so, for instance, as a pastor, I've journeyed with some people who are recovering from abuse when they were children. It's a painful journey. And often they begin at a point where they believe they are to blame or they deserved it in some way. It's nonsensical, but their sense of self has been shaped by the sin done against them. A person who carries wounds and and a low sense of self. And I've met people like this who long to be loved and get connected to other people, but they kind of get close and then they push people away for no reason. And the reason they do that is because they want to push people away before the rejection comes that they fear is coming. There's a person who has a false sense of importance. They become unteachable. They believe they are always right. They lack humility and other people in the end begin to steer clear of them. But the good news in Jesus' coming is that he comes to deliver us from that counterfeit identity that can grow up around us, that can encrust over this primary identity that God has created us with, that we are loved by him. But Jesus comes to deliver us from that, to set us free from that counterfeit identity that wrecks the way we live and relate to other people. And so at the beginning of John's Gospel is it introduces the Gospel of Jesus. Talking of Jesus, it says he came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Back then, some of the people didn't see Jesus for who he was. It's still true today. Yet all to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He came so that they could be restored to their understanding that they are God's children, God's sons and daughters, Jesus' brothers and sisters. As Paul said in his letter to the Romans, as he talked about this restoration of your identity, He says, God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We now know who God is and we now know who we are, father and child. 
And therefore we are co-heirs with Christ, even though we may suffer and struggle in life. Jesus delivers and restores us to who we were created to be so that we might then live out of that primary identity that God has given us in our creation. So who are you? You are created in God's image, a beloved child of God, delivered to live as a co-heir with Christ of God's kingdom here on earth and one day in eternity. You're not a failure. You're not a reject. You're not a so-so half-baked person. You're not second-rate. You don't deserve the leftovers. You're not judged. You're not insignificant. And every other negative thing that has piled on you that would kind of diminish who you are, Jesus wipes away. It's like silver that has gone tarnished and blackened and grey. Jesus comes with his divine polishing cloth and in his love and his grace, he gently and beautifully polishes us back to the glory that we were born with. You are now known and noticed. You are loved and belong. You're a daughter or a son of the God Most High and a sister or brother of Jesus. But the story doesn't end there because in Jesus' coming, he has also delegated to you his authority and his power to live as his ambassadors in the world. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am sovereign over all things. Therefore, whatever I say goes. Can you get that? It would be as if our Prime Minister said to an ambassador, You are to go to South Africa and you are to say this to them in my authority. And yet Jesus' authority is far greater than that. And so he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and baptise them in my name, in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, you are a person with purpose and influence. You're not a nobody. You're not insignificant. You're not wasting space or time here on earth. You have a life to live that God has given you to live, living out Jesus' purpose, living out Jesus' influence in the world. You see, you and Jesus together are a winning team. The world should be different because you have lived. Different in a good way. Think about those couple of those stories that David shared. A six-year-old boy or five-year-old boy sponsored by one by a teenager is now a man of great influence in the nation of Africa. And I've heard Richard speak. He was here in Australia with compassion. It's a wonderful story. And yet too many followers of Jesus live as victims, not victors. But when we see Jesus calling us, when we hear Jesus calling us, when we feel in our heart a stirring of Jesus calling us to do something, then we should step into it with the expectation that it will bear fruit and make a difference because he has given us his authority and power, his name, to do it in. And I love this verse. It's one of my favourite verses in the Bible. 
from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. You were created to live a life of purpose and influence. Out of your identity of someone created in the image of God and called by him. As someone who will now live differently so that the way you relate to people will have a positive impact, that you won't step back but you will step towards people, that you won't do things out of fear or self-preservation but out of self-giving with faith, out of a heart of compassion. You will do things freely rather than begrudgingly. So who are you? You are defined by Jesus, a beloved child of God, of immeasurable worth to him, a bearer of God's glory here on earth. You've been delivered by Jesus to live in that identity in a positive and proactive way and you've been delegated to live with his authority and power to make a difference in the world in your generation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came. And in your coming, you made a statement to the world, you made a statement to us in affirming that we are your beloved, that we are your brothers and sisters, that we truly are created in the image of God. We thank you that you came to deliver us from those counterfeit identities that get layered upon us, that we even put on ourselves and and sometimes even wear as a kind of a, a mantle of pride that hides your glory that exists within us. So, Lord, I pray for everyone here, for everyone listening today or who will listen to this in days to come, out of your great love, out of your gentle and yet powerful grace, continue your work of stripping away those counterfeit identities off us. Continue that work of polishing up what is truly in us, of enabling us to be like that beautiful faceted diamond, reflecting the glory of our Heavenly Father here on earth that we might live strong and confident in you, that we might live with godly purpose, that we might live out this delegated influence for the good of others, that our world will be different when we get to heaven because we have lived our span of years here on earth. Lord, for those who need deep healing, bring that deep healing of the heart, of their spirit, of their soul, that they might flourish in their true identity. Lord, for those that have lived believing lies about themselves, Lord, speak your truth again and remove those lies that are anchored in their soul. Lord, help us to 
be your people who never take a backward step, but in Christ step forward with humility, faith and love. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing this final song, Make Me New. And as we sing it, let it be a song where you allow God to continue that work of his grace in you, stripping away those rusty layers that his true identity for you may come through. Let's stand and sing.